Well, welcome to the Tech Talk Show, and uh, I'm joined with Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you doing? Hi, Steve. How are you? Yeah, great. And also, we've got Anna from Nightset, who's coming on later, and we've also got Andrew Budd from iProve. I think that's how you say it, isn't it? Well, I believe so. It yeah. is. Yeah, coming up. And of course, as always, we have unboxing, which I'm really looking forward to. Let's see what tech producer Danny has got for us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, but the first thing we're going to talk a little bit about is... Um, uh, we've seen in the news over the last two to three weeks, autonomous vehicles have been uh, been featured quite a lot, Dan. Mm, yeah, so it was, in the, it was in this Queen's speech, wasn't it? That, yeah. Um, yep. they, they was look of, looking for a push towards driverless cars and things like that. Yeah, yeah. and also uh, we were at a tech show last week, which was called Ex- Accelerate, and there was a whole section there about autonomous vehicles. There was. Well. It was part of London Tech Week. Yeah. Tech Accelerate. Tech it Accelerate, was, that's was, right, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. a big bit on autonomous cars. Particularly Tesla had a fantastic car. Anna, we'll talk about night set later, but obviously it's involved about nights out and things like that. Would you get in an autonomous vehicle without a driver at the end of the night and get them to take you home? It's actually... Uh, hi, everyone, first yeah, of hi. all. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually an excellent idea. Really? I definitely would. Would you? Yeah, yeah. It's what about Andrew? Would you ever go... Uh, if I was drunk enough, I wouldn't even notice. That's probably true, <laughs> That's actually, yeah. <laughs> we call it the beer scooter, don't you? Yeah, you how do. You, how do you, how get, you home? get home, you really don't care, do <laughs> yeah. you? So, yeah. no, no, anyway. Yeah. So, let's go to our first guest. So, Andrew Budd, and it's from iProve. So, first of all, Andrew, obviously, um, verifying yourself online is very, very important. Tell us a little bit about how you came to bring about iProve. So, um I founded a business uh, in the last decade called Mblocks, which grew to be the world's largest provider of enterprise-to-consumer SMS and also the world's largest processor of mobile payments. Right. This was a great business. At its peak about 10 years ago, we were clearing settling $500 million a year. We were doing billions of transactions. Our fraud rate was low. Um, I was a respected member of the community. <laughs> I was seconded to the board of the regulator. Life was good, and I had sharp suits. And then... The cyber criminals uh, attacked a weakness in the authentication mechanism of the entire payment mechanism. Right. And because I was one of the leading figures in the industry, I was the guy pulled up onto television and said, they asked me, Mr. Budd, uh, millions of people have lost money from this. Uh, your role in this, were you complicit or just recklessly incompetent? Oh, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> so, just a leading, slightly leading question for well, you. Well, it, it, was, it was upsetting that so many people had suffered as a result of um, a failure in authentication, and that taught me that actually the, we needed to do better. And that was, so these were the SMS payments or uh, Co- that you, you could make via your phone? Crazy right? fog kind of things. Yeah, yeah, thing. okay. That was, a, that was techni- technically a relatively, um, it was a doable problem to solve, but the next generation of payments with web and app, that was a really tough, that was a much harder problem. In fact, we had consultants in, very skilled guys, and we said, how can we prevent this happening? And they said, you can't. Well, there's no such thing as you can't in the tech world, let's be honest. I'm a tech entrepreneur. That was my reaction as well. (laughs) So I spent a year thinking about it, and that's where iProve came from. And in fact, it turns out we've solved a problem which is much, much bigger than the problem of mobile payments, which is a very, very small proportion of the world's online industry. Ultimately, what we've done is to solve one of the key problems associated with creating trust in remote users on the Internet. And that is a really, really big, important and exciting problem to have solved. And we're the only people so far to have done so, to have done it in a way that is incredibly usable. Experience in mobile payments teaches you that it's not enough just to come up with something that works, but it's got to be super, super easy to use. Yeah. 
every action you ask the customer to do, you lose 25% of your of your customers. I mean, I must admit, I, I, I don't know if anybody else faces the same problem, but when I'm logging onto my bank account and I want that authentication, this authentication, do this, put another code in, go to another device, get another code, it absolutely drives me potty. And in the end, so quite often I give up. Yeah, that's, and that's it's a huge and growing problem for the online world and the only ways there are only two solutions one is to torture the customers by means of very difficult to use and apparently secure methods which aren't really really secure because actually people misuse things that aren't usable yep. and the other is to stay with good old passwords because they're usable and who cares whether you're cracked the problem is the half of the UK population has one password for everything <laughs> they do yeah. So if I if tell you what, I've been using Dan's for months, <laughs> and he knows nothing about it at no, all. No. Honestly, luckily I don't have any money. So yeah, I've, <laughs> I've subscribed to a few. Uh, have you? Yeah, yeah, oh, good, a few okay. apps for you. So okay, I look forward to those emails. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right about passwords. I mean, I'm making light of it, but uh, yeah. People... By, by 2020, the government wants to eliminate passwords completely okay. from uh, everything, from anything that the citizen does. Uh, with with uh, with the government, and is that seen worldwide? Are we the only country to be looking at that, or are there others? Everybody's looking at it. Everybody's looking at it in different ways. In different countries, there are different approaches. Um, many countries have ID cards. In India, for mm. example, there's a huge scheme yeah. which is now being used to, in, in, to being used as a source of identity and authentication. In Scandinavia, the banks all have a common scheme. Um, to provide in which you can perhaps use your bank ID for other things as well, um, but the usability isn't quite there yet, and it's, uh, and um, in some cases it's very much tied to particular interests. What we're trying to create is a solution that every service provider, every provider of content or services or finance, can use themselves without being tied to some mega big brother identity scheme, and just uh, enrol. And every time they come back, whether it's in a day or a week or a month or even next year or even in five years, come back, you look at your device, it looks at you, it flashes some colors on the screen for, for two and a half seconds, and you're done. And nobody can fake it. Okay. Nobody can fake it. That's the important thing. What? So, well, unless they chop your head off and use it. We've been asked about that several times. Have you really? We have. We have. <laughs> but, so it's using facial recognition. So facial recognition, it uses facial recognition because face, facial recognition is easy. It's easy. You just look at your device. It looks back at you. It's simple. And all of our devices have a front-facing camera, so you're not tied down to any particular piece of hardware. And face modern face recognition, tech, face verification technology really works extremely well. There was a big techno revolution with the introduction of deep learning in 2014-15. We were the, one of the first companies. In fact, I think we were the first company in the world to deliver a service using that works brilliantly. But, but, your face is, is public. It's a public credential. You don't yeah. need to steal it. Just go onto LinkedIn and you'll find mm. it. So the challenge is the, the key, the absolute key to making face verification work as an authentication mechanism is being able to detect forgeries mm -hmm. and replays. And that's a really hard problem yeah, which say, no one has cracked. I was going to say, how do you actually do that? So people have tried to do it just by kind of looking at the image from the camera and hoping that there's something in there which they can detect, maybe blinking. Yeah. We spent 20 minutes and we produced a, a blinking photograph that would, that would spoof well-known bank <laughs> applications. Mm -hmm. So what we've invented is we use the screen of the device to flash a sequence of colors onto your face. Mm -hmm. That sequence of colors is different every time you authenticate. We send a special crypto code from the server to make sure that that's the case. 
And while, the color, while the, your face is being illuminated by the screen, we stream a short video of your face back to our servers. And there we look at the way that this screen light is, reflect, is interacting with your face. And that tells us if you're real or not. And it also tells us if we're looking at a live production of you yeah. or a recording. Because the real threat to this is actually that you get recorded imagery mm. back. And because the code is one-time only, we've invented this concept of the one-time biometric. And that's great because it doesn't matter if someone steals it. It doesn't matter if someone steals it because it can't be used again. The next time you iProve, the sequence of colors flashed on your face will be completely different. So the learning is, or the, the software that sits behind it, is, is actually how your face reacts to the color regard and the color sequence. And actually, it's, it's anticipating what that will be. That's exactly live. right. It's and it's exactly so it's a bit of machine code and some clever... We, we have To do this, we have a piece of technology sitting on our servers which has as much processing power as the entire world had in 1991. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think my phone's got more than that now, actually. <laughs> yeah. You're not far off. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's really fascinating. So have you, so in order to sort of go towards the different um, uh, organizations that could use your product, have you had to also show them the weaknesses in the competitor, you know, sort of other facial recognition things? So you've had to b break all of these other um, methods and then to demonstrate your own. It's it's not it's not us it's not a favorite hobby of ours because nobody grows a business by attacking your competitors in that way. Mm. In some cases, in order to highlight the need for good security, we've had to do so, and people have been shocked. Generally speaking, when dealing with government or banking organizations, they know this already. And in fact, recently, one of the banks said, do you mind if we just test the security of your system? And they spent six weeks with a really a firm of very smart hackers hmm. doing all sorts of sophisticated spoof attacks, weird things, image manipulation, very clever stuff. They'd evidently thought about this for themselves, and we were actually pleased how deeply they probed, they probed the defences which years of R&D have, have put in place. I mean, we've, yeah. been, we've been working on this now for over four years. So um, to try and take anything new to the market, particularly big, uh, big corporations, must be extremely hard. How have you done that? How have you got your foot in the door to say, look, you know, you really should look at this? Um, it must have been extremely difficult, I would have thought. Selling, for, an in, for an innovative company to sell uh, cybersecurity and trust is very difficult because selling trust is about confidence, and confidence comes with time and experience. And if, you, if you're an innovative, relatively young company, uh, confidence and, and, and experience is the thing that, that isn't there. You're asking people to believe in a disruption, which is kind of a contradiction in terms. The way we've done it is to be around. I mean, we've said what we were going to do and we've said and we've done it now for, for four years and to get the sponsorship and support of a number of very large organizations. So we've won prizes from people like KPMG. We've won prizes from Sony. We've won prizes from the Association of the Indian Industry. We Last week, we won the City Technology for Integrity Challenge, the Global Challenge in Singapore. And critically, in March, we won a prize from the National Cyber Security Center. They run a thing called the Dragon's Den, and they selected us as, a, as an innovative, the innovative UK company to get particular support from. So you'd need a, what you do is you need a lot of different independent organizations that people do trust reviewing your technology and saying, this doesn't just look good because everyone can see. It, yeah. it, it takes 15 seconds to get people to, for people to fall in love with our user experience. But then we're trying to make it take less than 15 years for them to feel confident in it. And all these, uh, these, uh, these um, 
um, endorsements and also the the independent tests that large organizations have done some of which we're able to talk about help to build the confidence okay and obviously your technology it, what we see is a lot of these banks will say oh well we've developed that because it's simpler or we've developed that because it gives us market advantage market advantage or we're going to use you know uh, eye touch or whatever security very rarely do they adopt the same security across all of the banks or all of the particular uh, companies. Can you see that happening with yours? Yes. Your, yeah. One, a, a very senior government advisor who reviewed us uh, and was initially very sceptical at the end said, my, my, I would be concerned to ensure that you are ready for the operational impact of becoming the default way of authenticating on the internet worldwide. I think the banks are looking for solutions that work. Of course, this is an enormously competitive area, but we have extremely dense patent coverage. We have patents granted uh, in the United States, in the UK, uh, and worldwide that cover all the critical bits of what make our technology difficult and, and, and uh, functional. So, of course, we won't be the only players, no. but I think we will just be uh, the biggest and most successful. And why the face? Why use... You know, obviously, why why use face? Why not palm palm or hand or it's elbow? A, whatever. It, it's a very good question. Um, in reality, our our uh, the technology that prevents spoofing is absolutely applicable, and our patents cover any part of the body, not right. just the face. Mm. So I wouldn't exclude that in future we will do other parts. We were, for example, interested in ears at a certain point because yep. uh, ear biometrics turned out to be a this, turned out to be a Quite a, quite a quite a big story. The Swiss, interestingly enough, are world experts in ears. Right. Okay. <laughs> the real reason is usability. It's all about usability. The user experience of face is great. You look at your device; it looks back at you. You don't need to move. You don't mm. need to do anything. The moment you start measuring ears or elbows or uh, any other part of your body, you've now got to, you've now got to move. You've got to align sure. it. It takes more thought and more effort. And if faces are rich enough both in, two, in two-dimensional information, which they are, and in three-dimensional information, which we're effectively mining, you've got a really rich data source that is good enough to provide strong authentication. What's not to like? And, and what about retinal? The problem with retinas is that they are vulnerable to to okay. if they're vulnerable to, to replicas and replays, they're vulnerable to spoofing. Everyone says, "Oh, well, the the iris or the retina or some other part is sure. super precise." The way these systems get attacked is not by having a queue of of of, of seven thousand people outside the door, each one trying to attack your system. So actually, whether a system is unique to one one in one thousand or one in ten thousand is far less important than whether you can detect spoofs. So Samsung re released their, their awesome S8, which had an iris, an I a beautiful I infrared iris scanner, yeah. very unique, very, very remarkable. Within two weeks, the German Chaos Computer Club had issued a YouTube video showing exactly how you break it with a spoof. <laughs> Irises really? are difficult to prevent spoofs against. Most biometrics are very difficult to, to prevent spoofs against. So, so, I mean, we've, you've spoken about e-commerce and I guess there's, you know, the financial services. What other sectors do you think that could be applicable to? So we've got tremendous interest in health. Mm -hmm. Anybody who has private, sensitive private information that only the rightful owner should gain access to has both a, has, a, has an absolute duty, both from a compliance point of view and 
to consumers themselves uh, to protect that against against unauthorized people gaining access. Mm. So anyone who has sensitive information. Next year, there's a huge new regulation coming in called the General Data Protection yeah, Regulation. Yeah, so we've been talking about that, actually. Which yeah. will impose a, an incredible obligation upon absolutely everybody. And that includes the three-man three plumbing, the, you know, the three-man plumber, as well as the huge corporation, to protect the private information of their customers and of their employees. Mm. And th seven, a couple of years ago, there was a study that showed that 70% of data breaches took place because of weak access control, passwords being one, passwords not being changed or being breached. So iPoop actually helps enterprises authenticate their employees uh, in a way that ensures protection of their internal data and of their, and of their, their customer information. Um, and we have so um, enterprises are a big application. We were adopted. We were chosen by the BBC a number of years ago for a particular choice. Government, we've got interest in from governments a number of the world. As I said, a a HMRC adopted Ooh. us for access to self-assessment tax returns. Okay, um, I mean it's almost it's too big. That's the key. And, you know, so that's, that's what it sounds like to me. It's it's too big to go. We need to get it to be used here simply and easily. Everybody gets used to it, and then it goes to even Anna, your app. You know, you w would you use it? Yeah, I also I actually really wanted to ask this question: like, would you go into nightlife sector? Because essentially, I can see potential in your platform improving the safety around nightlife through authentication. Absolutely. So I imagine it linked to Eventbrite or something else. Or Nightset. Or <laughs> Nightset, of course, <laughs> where it's actually yeah, this is the guest list and. The, you, you're on the list or you're not, and that's verified that way, quite simply. Yes, like for the guesses, or even when onboarding, when logging onto the platform, onto the social network, Yeah, that, you know, this is a real user. One of the key applications, which we haven't mentioned, actually, is that you can authenticate not just to, to a previously enrolled face of yourself for logging on, but you can authenticate your face to your own passport. Your passport can be read using an Android phone and soon hopefully an Apple phone. Right. And so you can read all the information of the passport and give it to a, give it to a, a, a bank or a health service or even a, a nightclub or an estate agent if they need it for KYC purposes. Mm -hmm. And then you can authenticate yourself to your document. In 60 seconds, you've got rid of all of this KYC, identity checking, utility bills stuff that drives everyone mad yeah, and, and presents a, a whole element of friction. So uh, what, Air, what are Airbnb using? Because they use some form of facial recognition that is then cross-checked against something else and a, a number of the a number of the existing systems use people in a in a, in a people in front of computers yep. looking at uh, document captures and looking at oh, the so they're, all they're doing is matching a passport photo against the real life correct yeah Pass there's what what's there's not a lot of security in that is well there? there was a study done that showed that even skilled passport officers doing that without time pressure got it wrong in terms of mismatching them 15 percent of the time yeah not long ago, we um, we were talking about um, electronic voting and, and in the UK in particular, because we've had a bit of a period of lots of voting. And um, one of the things that sort of seemed to be a, um, a problem in the UK is we don't have ID cards. But it seems that you're <laughs> potentially this is a way of, you know, s securing sort of um, electronic voting for the future. I think this, the, one of the exciting things is that the moment that you can prove that you are whom you claim to be, that gives you the right to assert a set of online credentials. Now, you can build up all sorts of, if you choose, and not if the government chooses, but if you choose, you can build up a whole set of assets. I mean, one can start to build up, for example, a reputation in Anna's uh, service. And the more, because it's always and only you who are 
building that reputation, you can start to make that reputation reputation bankable. Now, it's quite I think it is quite likely that we're going to see not identity cards, but identity accounts created. Yeah. Where everything's it, into a pot and linked in together. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And that's that's coming that's going to make our lives, I think, a lot simpler. But And it also gives you a great deal of control over of what goes in there. Do you worry about it, Anna, with your particular, with Nightset, around false accounts and things like that? Yeah, yeah, uh, d- definitely. Uh, there can be some bogus accounts, um, so the right authentication process uh, would be ideal. Would to be really fair. And help. I think that's for any social network, even Facebook. Yeah, I agree. So issues. you've had fifteen years in tech. I've had, I've had <laughs> maybe longer actually. <laughs> I've, had, I've had I've actually had thirty-five years in tech. Okay, I was one of the founders of the of the European mobile industry in my time. Well, wow. um, that is amazing. We have lots of young tech companies listening to this, what would you say would be one or two of the most important things to, to learn and apply when you're, when you're going forward? Patience. Yeah. Because things always take longer than you think. Uh, focus. It's very hard to do even one thing well. So if you smear yourself over every new challenge that comes through the door, you'll accomplish, you'll accomplish um, a very little. Uh, and always tell the truth. Tell the truth to yourself, tell the truth to your colleagues, tell the truth to your company, tell the truth to your customers. Uh, My old grandfather used to say, always tell the truth because they won't believe you anyway. (laughs) I like that. The problem is that if you start, if you, you know, if you start getting to the hype cycle and you start telling people stories, you start lying also to yourself and organizations that lie to themselves die. Yeah, no, there are lots of tech companies that perhaps believe their own hype i think and that's something uh, good advice there thank you so much andrew that really was uh, interesting to hear about and we are now going to go to this dan and here we are it's unboxing it is and uh we are dan's got the box He's opened it up. Oh, tell us what's inside. Come on, let's get it out. Okay. Oh, okay. We've got a padlock. And, and a pair of scissors. And a pair of scissors. Okay. Yeah. Well, that looks really exciting. I, I bet you're really excited, Anna, aren't you? I hope these are safety scissors. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Right. Oh, okay. So, 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 so tell us what you've got. So, um, it is a um, a Master Lock E1 digital combination lock. Okay. Um, it's in a sort of plastic blister pack. Um, which is probably why I've got the scissors to try and uh, yep. get it out. So, what do you think of the packaging, Andrew? Shall I hand it round so people can have a look? Yeah. yeah let's have a look. Yeah, nice uh, branding. Yeah, so appearing. Bit boring though. <laughs> I mean, it looks safe. I looks think. safe. Yeah. Well, that's right. It, it looks safe. It's looked so safe. I wouldn't know how to break into it. <laughs> well, that's the other. Thing. I was looking it. at that. I'm, I'm a bit worried about the scissors. Whether yeah. They're last. Are you? Yeah. Can you operate those or not? <laughs> right. I usually only There's do even with an instructions adult. how to take it out of the packaging. Oh, handy. On the bottom. So you better read those, Dan. Oh, yeah, well, I'll leave yeah. you to those. Yeah. Cut off five. Okay. Cut so, off. So there's five so tabs at the bottom. I need to cut off. Cut. Okay. Okay. It has to be one of the most boring unboxings we've ever oh, had. This is exciting, isn't it? Right, it well, is. Then what do you do? So it's a really is for radio, isn't it? Unpackaging something. Um, <laughs> it's, so it's, it's that oh. good, Dan. And oh, no, oh he's got it out now. No, hang oh, on. I feel like Harry Houdini here. Yeah. Have you got it? No. no it's still locked in there. Light uh, up keypad. Right. Hmm. So you've actually got to unlock it off of the container. Yeah. Seems I, like I it. think Dan's Where broken it. Where you put it, there might be some paperwork in there to tell you the code, is it? Ah, uh, see. Oh, all right. 
So we failed miserably already. Well, it's it's very secure because I haven't been able to get it. No. So uh, there's actually what Dan's done is you open a small flap on the packaging. Yep. And then inside off our instructions about how to unlock the actual okay. lock itself. Okay. So, so that you can remove it. So from there are um, up and down. Oh, there we go. So Dan's oh. now actually. Well, we thought he had actuated yeah, I it. I had as well. Yep. Uh, he's trying to actuate the lock and to get it off of uh, the actual packaging. And he no. has... So it's going green, but it's not unlocking. Okay. Uh -oh. Are you reading what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah, I'm making noises, yeah. Pass it over, oh. and I'll read the okay. instructions. You have a look it. at that. It's exciting, isn't it? Yeah, really exciting. So there's the code. Good job. We've got someone. Right, the primary code. So we got. I'm going to put this in. You carry on talking. Yeah. So um, Steve. <laughs> so there. So it's a, a round dial on the front with um, with. I guess you would call it the sort of um, primary um, points of a compass. Um, <laughs> yeah. See, it's not that easy, is it? <laughs> so um, that light up. So you've got um, left, right, up, and down, and you have to do a code to um, to do that. Um, Oh, there we go. There we go, Dan. Any advice you need around technology, just come to me. <laughs> Is that all right? Yeah, that's okay. So, uh, so how did you undo it then? I'll, Other than I'll put the code in. I'll, yeah, so I'll pass that round, and we'll see if others in the studio can unlock it. So it is uh, right, right, left, down, up, and then press the green button before the green button goes off. So it's right, right, left, oh. down, up up press there we go dan oh, so I, that's I, how you do it anna i didn't i didn't have a press it look. quick enough how usable uh yes <laughs> they get, i must have had at least three so, quarters of a second to press that green button yeah, thank right, you left yeah. down up press the green button done so uh dan <laughs> if you need a lesson Perhaps go. Anna will show you. One of you. these kids is not like the other ones. One of these. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, well, it's a lovely padlock, isn't it? What happens when the battery goes flat? Ah, well, maybe that's contained within these instructions. But it also, it also I can't be bothered to read those. I might even throw them away. So um, it does say uh, yeah. indoor use only as well. Indoor use only. Ready so. to use. <laughs> I'm not. One hand. It says here. <laughs> <laughs> it says here one handed. One oh, okay. Right, Dan, try the one hand. Okay, what's the code again? This, oh, oh, hang on, I'll, I'll right, I've got it here. I'll right, go right, left, All right. down, up, green. Uh, Honestly. Uh, you have to, no look operation for ease of use. One handed, no look. Right, next one, you'll see if you can do it blindfolded. But, yeah, no, no, I did it. I did right, do it. Anna, can you do it with your eyes shut? What? <laughs> it says you can here. Okay, That's what it says. Do you want to read the code out? Yeah. Right, right, left. Uh, up, down. Uh, down, up. Down, up. No. Right, right, left. Down, up. Down, up. Green. Nah. No. Andrew? That's what happens when you try and get cocky. Yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> but that's what it says here. <laughs> yeah. He's done it. It wasn't with the ice shut. Wasn't it? <laughs> I'm going to no. try it. The, the real problem with that is that it does. There are no limits on the number of times you get it wrong. No. And if I if my numbers if I if I do I this failed. right, I think there are th there are a thousand possible codes there. So you just have to sit there a thousand times, work through all the possibilities, and you will open it. 
I mean, let's put it this way. You're not going to lock your most valuable things up with this padlock, are you? Well, especially not indoors only. No. <laughs> I'm just no. trying to think where I've yeah. got a padlock that isn't outdoors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm not sure. Apparently, according to... I've just had a quick look at the instructions, which I don't normally do. But you can have up to three guest codes as well set in it. Can you change the codes? You can... It does look like... Yeah, the codes have to be um, yeah. between 14 and 12 positions in length. Well... And because the, on the dial there's um, uh, letters as well as numbers, you know, near near the near so the cardinal points, you can um, then use a use a. Also, on there it says backup most master code online. No. Oh. So that Andrew, that's really going to be safe, isn't it? <laughs> so you, oh yeah, hang on, I'll just go online. Well, you see that padlock, you go, oh yeah, when do I, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go online because the code's on the front of it actually, I think, isn't it? Can you change it remotely? Now that would be very handy. Well, I know there are there are companies that are doing that, and they actually have multi-coded padlocks and different systems and locks. Mm. So yeah, so um, I think we should go round the desk to see. Well, sh should we ask Danny how much? Oh, how much? Yeah. That's yeah. A good question, yeah. So, Andrew, how much would you pay for this item? Hmm. <laughs> I know what padlocks cost, actually. For really? this, probably £35. £35. Anna, what would you think its retail price is? Or mm. what would you pay for it? What would I pay for it? I mean, it's not necessarily safe. So <laughs> no, <laughs> but so what, what do you think it retails <laughs> at? Yeah. But my wild guess would be it has nice lights, a little bit of tech, probably f 60 quid. 60 quid, okay. <laughs> He's a good guess, aren't they? Dan, I think. Um, so um, it is metal. It's a it's a known brand, isn't it, Master? Um, uh, and I think putting a little bit of tech in it and a bit of LEDs, they're they're you know. They're trying. So, I, so I'm going to go. Trying. I'm going to go forty eight pounds. Forty eight pounds. Yeah. I'm going to go towards the lower end. Thirty. Thirty quid. So, producer Danny, give us a little bit more info on it and how much it cost. Okay, so first I just want to say I wasn't in the office when this was chosen, so all blame <laughs> is off, Danny. Straight away. Well, yeah. We hear that quite a lot. Know, he does that yeah. every I'm week. never in the office, yeah. that's why. I'm going to see if I can take it apart while you're talking. Secondly, the <laughs> battery life, someone mentioned it's a five-year battery life, and when the battery life is coming to an end, there is a red... Oh, I've got uh, the battery. As well, so, so you can even... Hang on, I think I've taken the battery out or started to take it out. So that just comes out the bottom. Don't know what that is. Anyway, carry on. Yeah, um, I think it's more targeted towards uh, kids in school, yeah. high school, doing, doing the lockers up, having a funky sort of lock lock on it as well. Um, there is more codes so because it's got uh, numbers and uh, letters as well as directions. Obviously, it is quite tough to break. But as you said, there's a master lock <laughs> online, so I'm not too sure how secure that is. I wouldn't pay anything towards this price. But we had some great guesses, and the price came in at thirty-four pounds eighty-seven oh. pence. So that's spot, spot on. on. <laughs> Absolutely spot on. So the last thing <laughs> to ask is: Do you think it rocks, or should it go back in the box? I think I'm gonna start with Dan. Um, because it can't, because you can't have it outside. There are um, combination locks that you can use with a with a, have a switch rather than um, you know than a, than a combination or a key. I don't like it. No. Back in the box. For Back me. in the box. Anna, would you pay thirty four pounds for that and be proud to own it? 
I mean, similarly, y- you can't use it outside, and um, like the use of it is quite narrow to kids' schools. It doesn't sound to say with this master code, so probably I, I wouldn't. No. No. Andrew. I mean, for school lockers and gym lockers, I kind of get it, but it's not clear to me why I wouldn't use a boring old mm. mechanical one yeah. with a combination lock. Yeah. So I, I don't quite get it. I think it's a, it's it's quite nice. It looks quite funky. It's incredibly heavy. Yeah. I mean, the feel the weight of it is ridiculously heavy. For it's good, some... to, good to keep in a sock on the underground <laughs> late at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll talk about Anna's travels later, won't we? But I think... Um, <laughs> I just can't see it. They've tried to use tech when they really didn't need to use tech and actually other methods would have been uh, suitable. So uh, I think that's a unanimous back in the box. Yeah, back in the box. Goes next to the toaster with the Wi-Fi built in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're just going to go to a pre-record and uh, then we'll be joining Anna after the uh, pre-record. So, Sue and I are at the day two of... Um, I think the correct English is Sue and me, actually, grammatically. You're probably right, yeah. Sue and I... <laughs> Sue and me. Sue and me. Yeah. Are, are at Tech Accelerate um, at the XL on day two, and we're joined by Sam Huber from Advir. Hi, Sam. Hello. Thanks for having me. So, um, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about Advir and, and, and what you're here to, um, to demonstrate. Sure. So, um, Advir is... Um, a, a tool that enables advertisers to do brand placements within vir- virtual reality and augmented reality content. Um, so effectively, it's a way for uh, VR and AR developers to monetize their content. Um, the big difference with normal advertising, you would say, is um, that all the ads are native and really integrated with the VR and AR content, so non-intrusive advertising uh, product placement. I have to say that the, the, the sort of pop-up thing and Google, oh, you know that box comes up when you're searching on stuff, and just because you looked at a couple of chairs you want to buy, they then come up forever, and yeah. then you have to go in and you have to opt out, and I find it drives me nuts, and actually it puts me off the product, and I think intrusive advertising actually has a negative effect, uh, personally, and I remember once, um, six, seven years ago, Aldi kept flashing up the new A4 in front of me, you know, for, for, for advertising. And then I vowed till my dying day I will <laughs> never buy one. So I, I do think that intrusive advertising is just is, is not a great idea. Yeah, I think you're right. So I, I get the same thing. You know, you look search for something on Amazon and then the next couple of websites you go to, you're getting served ads for the for the things you were looking at. Well, even though have even bought them already. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So it, it, this is something that you're trying to avoid. Um, you know, how, how do you think that, how do you go about that? Absolutely. So the, the first thing to note is that um, advertisers don't like intrusive advertising either. When they show you this Audi and they know you're not going to buy it, they are losing money every time they're showing it to you. So there's a problem there for them. It's that they're not able to target you properly or to retarget you properly. So that's kind of the artificial intelligence part of what we're doing. It's optimizing targeting. Um, and on the other hand, it's also optimizing the display so that we don't have to have these pop-ups uh, but we really can seed the advertising within the content and the experience. So that, um, you know, if the idea is that if you're only presented with things that you want when you want it, it doesn't feel like advertising and it actually helps your life. So the big vision is really to get to that point where um, we can get rid of spam. And we think that the structure of VR and AR would allow us to do something like that. 
So, so give me an example then. I, I'm sort of, uh, I've got a headset on, have I? VR headset, for example, I'm immersed in something, I don't know, a game or something. H- how, how would you, just give me an example, sort of ad that would, might, I might come across? So, um, yeah, initially it's, it's mostly game. Uh, most of our content is, is around games. So you can imagine uh, being in a street, for example, and you can see billboards, right? That's the simplest example. Instead of seeing fake billboards or fake brands, you can have actual billboards of Coca-Cola or Amazon or a local advertiser trying to, uh, trying to promote their services. And then um, the next step is to move towards more 3D products. So as you walk by a shop, you can actually see the shop front, you can walk in, you might see a shoe, you can manipulate this shoe, walk around it, change the color. Uh, so it looks like it's part of an experience, but actually it's an ad. Um, so really the, the idea is that the, the boundaries between advertising and content are uh, emerging. Um, I know I was talking about James Bond earlier. I'm going to go back to James Bond. Um, but in, in the James Bond films, they spend quite a lot of money, don't they? Sort of, sort of saying, you know, who wants to have the car in the, you know, in the film, and, and who's wearing a specific watch and mm. drinking a specific brand, you know, for, for his martinis. I, I guess it's like that, isn't it? Yeah. Product placement within the. In, in a way, yeah. isn't it? It's almost like product product placement, but but it's part. In a way, it's seamless, isn't it? It's, and maybe. You know, you wouldn't notice the watch unless you were thinking of buying a watch, but he happens to be wearing it, I guess. So, so it's, exa- it's, exa- it's exactly that, except that um, in VR you have some sort of control about the environment, so you can interact with these products more than just seeing them in the, in the cinema. Um, and also it's the whole back-end, so how we distribute this. Um, in, in cinema, it's, it's clearly a negotiation between a brand and, and the director or so the producer maybe. Uh, in our case, we do that all programmatically, so people can buy media through a web platform and then uh, decide of their budget, decide of their targets, and then run that campaign seamlessly without the need to talk to another human. So, so in essence, if, if, I was a, if, if I was advertising a watch, you know, I could go onto this platform and I could find out, because, I mean, I wouldn't know. Would you, would you Dan? I mean, and then, then you could find out exactly where you could have it placed, what, what is out there, you know, that, 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 that this would fit into. And can you target individuals or, or demographics of people through, through the platform? Uh, so it's demographics, yes. We don't know who the person are, obviously, in individually, but we can target age groups, we can target locations, we can target interest, similar to what we have on the web. Uh, we're taking the best part of web targeting and trying to bring that into VR and in the future AR as well. Fascinating. And, and for me, the world of advertising has got to move on where, where it's very, very specific and it's stuff that you want and not intrusive because that is really annoying, isn't it? I find it really frustrating. We mentioned it as well, yes. So um, where do you think um, Advir will be going next? So the first step is to focus on advertising, analytics. It's really building the tools for developers from, v- from a VR and AR to, to monetize better. Uh, we think that for the industry to become this massive, life-changing industry that we all hope it's going to become, uh, we need to find a sustainable business model for for the media. And uh, if you look back at the history of media, advertising has always been at the backbone of any media. It's the single best business model to monetize. So we pretty much know that advertising is going to be uh, a key to monetize VR and AR, and we're just trying to do it the right way. And are you seeing um, sort of take up of AR and VR from, um, uh, from any particular sectors? Or do you think that it's, it's all now that it's, it's a relatively new um, technology, but everyone's picking it up? Uh, not definitely not everyone is still at a very uh, early stage. Um, 
what we find is a lot of entertainment company are the, the most interested at the moment because the media, the publishers are also entertainment, like I mentioned, games or social VR social networks. Um, so definitely entertainment. Yes, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, going to check that out because I think that is definitely the future. Um, and I think that's the only bit where the advertising hasn't moved into that space yet, has mm. it? So, um, so thank you for joining us. Could you tell us um, where, if, if anyone are interested, you know, where they could find um, Advir on, on the web a website? Sure, so we have a website, advir.co, where you can uh, pretty much check what we're all about and uh, register your interest um, to, become, to, 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 to use the technology. Um, and we also have an, a separate web, uh, website called the vrarpledge.org, which is a kind of a moral commitment against intrusive advertising in VR and AR. Which I think we both um, <laughs> very much advocate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sam, thank you very much for joining us. It's been really interesting. Thank you for having me. Well, welcome back. And uh, we, we are now going to chat to Anna from Nightsat. Anna, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank Hi. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you along, and I'm really pleased. Um, Woke I, up on time. Yeah, yeah. you got <laughs> up early enough to join us, uh, even though the show's in the afternoon, obviously. Um, <laughs> I've had a look at your website. Actually, I thought it was really good. And so tell us a little bit about what Nightset is, first uh, of all. So uh, Nightset is actually a mobile app. Um, that connects uh, people with the party world in a real time and people with each other via dating features. It answers a really simple problem, which is where should we go tonight? Where's the party? What's on tonight? Surprisingly, no one has come up with the solution, with the platform that would answer that immediately um, need, which is instant uh, finding a party, finding people, seeing what's happening, like live updates, videos, pictures, word of mouth recommendations. So That's yeah, it, yeah, Dan, go on because Dan's know, obviously <laughs> been to far more parties than I've ever been to, <laughs> probably in the last ten years. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah. So, so how? So I'm, I'm intrigued. So I, I love the idea, and we'll, we'll probably sort of go into a bit more later about how you you know get the um the sort of event and venue information in. But I'm intrigued to understand how the sort of dating side of it works as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> not for, for a friend. Were, yeah, for yeah, friend. just a mate. Yeah, I happen to have a friend. He was asking about that, so. Um, so essentially, United said it's a social network where people download the app, set up a profile, um, and then uh, you can see on the app uh, people that are around you um, are in the same place. You can see their availability status, whether they are single or taken, or maybe this is a Brazilian uh, concept, a party <laughs> traffic light party. And then you can connect with them through the charms, so t send them a virtual drink, a like or invitation to dance. And the idea is to break the ice. Um, so very often it happens people are at the same party, at the same venue, and people don't talk to each other before a certain hour. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, after yeah. 2 a.m. is a different story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, okay. So, so we've got this sort of introduction type facility that, that helps people to, f to find link up or whatever else. But it's also about re recommending venues, isn't it? And, you know, when I used to go to a club, you've had one would be great for a month and then it would die off and you'd be looking for where every, the party was, basically. Don't laugh. This is in the 70s, I believe. It's in the 70s and early 80s. Oh, okay. but, so That's more recent than I thought. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but... Andrew knows what it's like. Surely, Andrew. I, I'm keeping my mouth firmly. Oh, you and I I'm are the same so, era. Yeah, we are, yeah. <laughs> but it would have been great to have known where the party was. And that this will help you do that, won't it? Yeah, exactly. And you actually mentioned something extremely important, which is the um, nightlife marketplace. It's so dynamic and it changes. It's seasonal. 
and um, all of the solutions are up to date. There are more around listings, there are more ar around photoshopped pictures and then just putting information out there. Um, our app is based on the live content, right? That And also word of mouth, which is people updating, um, putting information out there. Yes. Yeah. So okay. So you're not just getting yeah. you're not just getting feed from the venues. It's also the people that are actually going to the venues are updating it, saying you know how good it is or what sort of music's being played, that sort of thing. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And photos and video. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Both. Yeah, but Can because the best way to see how the party is like is actually to see it actually what what, sure. what you are missing out on, how it's evolving. Yeah. So the live kind of broadcasted uh, content is the best solution for the nightlife industry. Okay, and so how did you come about the idea and developing it? <laughs> so it's actually quite classic uh, passion and frustration. Okay. <laughs> so I'm a passionate party person. I, I absolutely love going out because it, it's for me, it's about uh, meeting people. It's about music. It's about um, live gigs. It's about venues, the experience there. Um, so I was very often in the situation that with with my friends like uh, asking where should we go what's happening um, especially in London and London nightlife is so abandoned um, it, it's so um, it's so rich so um, that was the first thing the passion that I always went out um, and um, frustration so actually I'm economist by education okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I, I did undergrad in econ and um, I, I saw that's a repetitive problem that needs um, that needs to be answered and then so I looked at the consumer side and then I looked at the business side and I, I noticed that actually venues, uh, party organizers don't have the right tools to promote themselves. They use like disperse social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, but um, it's not really kind of uh, targeted at the nightlife. Then they use leafletting or promoters, but it's not efficient and doesn't reflect the right, right the, the yeah. venue. Yeah. And as and on the social side, um, as well as sort of being able to sort of uh, meet you know new people in in venues or whatever, can you link up with your friends and suggest you know nights out or, or you know people can say, oh, where should we go tonight that sort of thing? Yeah, exactly. That that's the main purpose of that. That um, someone is um, in the moment uh, at the amazing party, the amazing place, the amazing bar, and um, he wants to notify. She wants to notify all of her friends. Um, or just make a recommendation, um, then th they can do it through the app. Really? And that's for the moment and then also in the future because all of the content is obviously saved. So anyone who is exploring our database, they can see a content updated by other people. They're like, okay, that looks like, interesting. Mm. I, I know how it's like. Now, how do you go about getting, um, getting sort of venues enrolled? Um, so... It's the sales um, side of things. So we just go to the venues and we explain the product proposition, okay. how it can enhance their business, increase uh, revenues, increase sales, how they can reach out to the target audience that is actually looking for them, but they don't have a means to do it. And so then how they actually can understand the con uh, customer because we also have a big data play. So they see the trends, they understand who is coming to the venue, demographics, age. And then they also, through the app, they build loyalty because through the app they can reward um, uh, party people, giving them promotions, free drinks, uh, happy hours. So, so. Um, they get to know who their customers are in terms of the time time and day of the week and maybe how long they stay for and things like that and how that trend is changing. Um, I assume that's done through logging them in at the venue as well? Is it, or do they, do they log the... the 
the the app users in as they come in as well. Yeah, so when the app uh, um, user comes to the our partnering venue, they check in, they post a picture, they post a video yep. to share the experience, and uh, at the same time, um, the venue owner sees who, um, can see who is their um, loyal customer, what they say, and then they can reward them. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Mm. I mean, there's yeah. lots of functionality there, Dan, isn't mm. there? So uh, there must be a lot of development work that went on that sat behind all of that. So how did you go about doing that? Bearing in mind, you you mm. come from an economics background, not a, not a tech background, really. Oh, that's actually my brother, who's my co-founder, and okay. he is my CTO. So, yep. so we have actually a really strong team because uh, two siblings working together, <laughs> <laughs> which actually is uh, it's great because uh, the loyalty... It's just beyond the limits. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he's the um, uh, iOS developer. So that's how we started when I quit my job. I used to work in investment bank. Yeah. Uh, and I always had this idea and I just went fully to do it. Um, he developed the beta version. We tested it. Um, and we actually broke the paradigm that focused on one thing only. We actually focused on the nightlife marketplace. But we thought we need to answer the problem for offering all of the nightlife journey steps, both for a consumer and a business, not just one. Yeah, um, I mean, a Andrew's nodding there. I, I'm thinking that as well. Actually, you've not focused just on one thing. You've joined up venues with customer, but also customer can talk to customer and customer can post content. But she's been very smart because she's focused on she's focused on one thing, but she's focused on one problem. And then you pr apply all the technologies that you need in order to deliver a good customer experience. But you focused on one problem. You haven't followed all sorts of other hairs that you, I'm sure will come and interrupt you. I can I ask, how do you make money? Um, so it's on a business side. It's a SaaS solution. So obviously there's a monthly subscription fee. And also... Um, nightlife marketplace it's like london only is worth 30 billion so there's lots of revenue being made yep. and what we do we just take commissions from sales as well we um take um we feature venues or yep. um, so there's a, a whole communication email marketing push sure. so there's a bit of um revenue income from advertising and promotion that's coming from the venues yeah and uh, the SaaS platform primarily yeah okay yeah. Awesome. Now you mentioned earlier that um, that venues are able to reward, you know, um, the, you know, the customers, frequent customers. How do they how do they get the reward? Is it you know through an email or is it in app as well? Oh, it's actually within the app because the idea is to have like the nightlife world within the app. Mm -hmm. uh, so they instead of having like standalone happy hours or promotions, they just place it on the app, and there is a whole um, claiming process that a person comes to the venue, they claim the drink. Um, they post, uh, actually they snap the brand, so they take picture with a drink or at the venue, yep. um, and they post it on the app, and they get a drink in get, return. get reward, okay. Yeah. And what about geographically at the moment? Just focused in London, I assume? Uh, London is a huge Yeah, I've no idea, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we are only after seed funding at the moment, so we can't spread to Finney. We want to focus on London, it's a... Uh, as I mentioned, London uh, market is worth 30 billion, so yeah. it's like a massive amount. Massive, yeah. Yeah. And also, L London is amazing. There are so many venues here. There are so many people that yeah. like to fully answer the needs. And are you focus. seeing mainly uh, residents of London, or are you seeing a mixture of visitors and residents using it? If you see what I mean. So, uh, you know, holiday visitors or people just visiting for a few weeks. What's your main market? Is it just those that are living or, or working in London? Um, so it's actually a mixture of, like, we do have young professionals, we have uh, students, we have uh, just people who love going out after hours. Um, 
in uh, corporations. And then we do have uh, tourists, especially summer is a really good season for us. <laughs> and, and how are you marketing <laughs> it to your app users, not, not the venues? What sort of marketing focus have you got with that? Um, so we are doing traditional things, which is like digital advertising, digital marketing, paid campaigns, co or, um, our own content, organic content, blogging, uh, email marketing. But also we are uh, now in discussion with big brands because essentially this is like a lifestyle app mm -hmm. um, and it's a genuine nightlife community. And the whole story behind like building nightside is quite inspirational because ultimately I just, I'm Polish immigrant. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just build everything from the scratch. Um, so we are talking to a few big brands about partnering up and running um, marketing activities together. Okay, so that's where you're focusing next is that where you want to go next in terms of not geographical but actually try and improve the overall reach yeah is that where you're going to focus yeah i'm quite i'm quite interested so you said you're going through seed funding at the moment um that we would probably have quite a few um listeners that you know that are sort of in the similar sort of position and we asked we asked them andrew before what sort of you know advice can you give people or are there things that you would do differently now you know now you've learned if you see what i mean um in terms of the seed funding or mm. overall? Oh, overall, seed, yeah, starting. Seed, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. so. Um, so overall, um, definitely be patient uh, because things <laughs> take a long time. Um, then I would say um, passion. Be passionate about what you do because it's much more difficult than um, you can imagine and you really have to love what you're doing because then it doesn't feel like an effort uh, and you want to spend every single second of your life doing that. Uh, and persistent, just go for it, fight for it all the time, and don't ever stop. And then things happen. Like actually, like lots of entrepreneurs try to uh, come up with this solution because it's a like nightlife ecosystem, a very simple problem. Um, I spoke to a few; they actually um, found challenging to find an investor. Uh, we were fortunate to find an um, investor from Bacardi family, which is a perfect strategic partner. Yeah. Um, but it only um, came down to the persistence and uh, focus and passion. Yeah, no, it Patience. sounds great. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Um, Andrew, would you, you know, I know you're developing yours. Would you like to develop something else in that area? Would you? Could you see yourself doing something else tech-wise? So I think Anna's very brave because what she's trying to do is to develop, to do. It's called developing a two-sided market. Um, and developing to where you've got a, where the uh, venues want to get excited. What the venues get excited if you've got to users, join the right people with the and, right, yeah. and the users get excited if you've got venues. So you've got to get two groups of people moving simultaneously. Yeah. And I've kind yeah. of been involved in that. It's unbelievably hard. I'm afraid I, I don't have the courage to do that. No. So it's you know all power to you. And as you say, it's about passion and belief and persistence. You know, not don't look down. Um, but also. Um, uh, I I would say I I was I was I would say I'm I'm far too old like like you <laughs> yeah. to know about the party scene. But I have to say my 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 um my my children tell me, who are grown up tell me about this kind of world. Also, um, I mean, most people must feel they've got that little bit of the exclusivity. They've got a bit of an in at the venues. I mean, is that something you major on as well, in terms of knowing where the where the best places are to go? on any week or, or on any night, is is that something you use to, to access people? Um, yeah, 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 so actually, I initially everything um, started that I was the person that always knew where to go, <laughs> what's happening, yeah. and I had access to all of the clubs, and I was like, I, I might equally just turn it into the business as well, <laughs> part from the release. And uh, yeah, so the app offers that, um, also it, it's a real kind of engagement relationship with the venue and the access exclusivity, 
because we work with um, our concept is to be the nightlife ecosystem. So we work with the um, this guestless venues. We work with underground um, edgy venues. So we work with just the DJ bars, live music venues. So yeah. So yeah. where would obviously we're finishing the show in a minute? We've got a couple of minutes. So if Dan and I wanted to go somewhere now, where <laughs> where would you suggest we go to, Anna? What would be the best place? I would say download night setup. And well, check there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> have a look. At, yeah, <laughs> have a look. At, yeah, is there something? Yeah, because Dan's obviously more interested in the dating function. <laughs> it sounds like. Thanks. I'm I'm more interested in the drinks promotion, Dan. <laughs> personally. <laughs> well, you can only manage a couple, can't you? Yeah. yeah so uh, yeah. Well, that sounds brilliant. Yeah, it's fascinating. Isn't it? I can't wait to see you use it, Dan. <laughs> I'm looking forward. I'm going to it. download it on your phone because I know I know <laughs> you log in. So. Is it is it both Apple and iOS, or you've just gone on Apple at the moment, haven't you? Yeah, just Apple, but we are launching Android very soon. It was just first to test the product, test the market, uh, follow the lean startup growth. Yeah, sure. Well, I think you know, really best of luck with that. Mm. It, it's um, it sounds like great. And where can yeah. people find more information, Anna? Um, nightset.co or just download Nightset app from the App Store. Yeah, and it's completely free. <laughs> it's completely free. Uh, yeah, all, all, I've down. Well, I've been on your website. <laughs> I've been on the App Store actually. Yeah, Dan. yeah, yeah. And yeah, you, looked, you're so just gonna download it, aren't you? Just don't want your wife <laughs> to find out. <laughs> <laughs> no, she'd encourage me. Believe me, <laughs> she loves going out in London. Yeah. Especially if there's a cocktail promotion on, she would be there. That's true. So yeah, so that's great. Andrew, perhaps you want to download it as well, yeah? I, I would. I have, a, I have a friend who is developing something in a very adjacent area, and I'm going to put them together because I think Anna's going to be a huge success. Yeah, I do uh, too. Thank you. Yeah, I really I think do. This is going to, yeah. I think this is going to work. Yeah. Um, so I, and, uh, also, it'll look so cool on my phone. It'll make me look you as would. Yeah. <laughs> or if someone, yeah, if some young person comes up to you and says, you know, you, where can you go? You just say, well, funny enough, I can help you with that. Yeah, yeah, you would look really cool. And where, <laughs> sorry, just to finish up, where can we get more information about your product? So you can download from both the from both the, uh, the uh, Apple uh, App Store and from Google Play. You can download our demo app, which is called iProof. That's spelled I P R O O V. Mm -hmm. The iProof verifier you can download that and just play with it it'll enable you to log into absolutely nothing but it's real and live brilliant guys thanks for joining us it's been a great show really enjoyed it thank and you. Uh, hopefully we'll we'll uh, catch up again soon cheers thank, thank you. you cheers thank you